With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, uh, inspirational speaker, helping people to live positively with the challenge of life, challenges of life. I've had rheumatoid arthritis from my jaw to my toes since the age of five. That's 45 years now, and in that time, I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced, which makes me sound like a spider, and I've been hospitalized about 40 times. I also stand about five foot one, hence the nickname Tutal, and that's due to the heavy daily doses of the steroid prednisone that I took to fight my arthritis. Despite my physical challenges, people know that I always answer amazing when asked how I'm doing. I tell people that 80% of the time it's true, and the other 20% of the time it's to remind myself that it's true. Uh, find out more about me and my website in this interview at Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. Our guest today is Richard Fast. Uh, Richard is an author, a certified life coach, and an entrepreneur. He's the creator of Mind Trap and more than 30 other products that have sold millions of copies worldwide. Richard has devoted more than 20 years to solving the riddle of what stops us from doing what we know we should do. He, like the rest of us, has always been told, if you want to change your life, just change your thoughts. Uh, but then that was the challenge, just like it is for anyone else. Richard discovered we could change our fundamental thoughts into desirable new habits by following many of the same cognitive procedures that we use to create our own existing habits, only this time create them consciously. Uh, his 29 Days Program for Change uses proven scientific techniques, technology, and online coaching to guide you through a step-by-step process toward changing your thoughts and your behaviors into desirable new habits. He's personally used these techniques to achieve lasting results in every area that he prescribes. Welcome to the show today, Richard. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Uh, I was particularly impressed when I initially read about you of you are an amazing inventor. Millions of copies of anything uh, is an impressive uh, feat. And when I look it up, Mind Trap and some of the invention, inventions, that is quite cool. So tell us a little bit about your inventor side. Well, um, you know, I, I kind of had this, uh, uh, this epiphany one day while I was reading an Agatha Christie novel. This goes back to 1985. I was just sitting you know, by myself having a beer, reading Agatha Christie, and all of a sudden I got this, wait a minute, this aha moment. And what it was, what, ha- what the aha moment was that, you know, we all love to 
read mysteries. We love to watch uh, mysteries on television. And it's all about finding out the who done it that one time and see if you can beat the author to, to figuring out who it is. And that's, you know, the kind of the fun of it. But then I realized, you know, too, in our modern world where we like everything instantaneous and we, you know, want more and more and more, I thought, wait a minute. And this was at the height of Trivial Pursuit when these guys were just selling everything under the world, under the sun. So I thought, wait a minute, I wonder if I couldn't just create a whole series of these little mystery whodunits. And so that people could, you know, like potato chips, have one and say, okay, give me another one, give me another one. So I set out to do that, and it was a lot easier thought out than it actually was. But when I had that epiphany, it was like it came from somewhere in the cyberspace. I was almost shaking because I thought, wait a minute, this is really going to work. Well, I used to tell people in hushed tones, like, God forbid that anyone should mention this to anyone else, because as soon as anyone heard this idea, they would run out and beat me to it. Well, seven years later, I'm screaming from the mountaintops, begging anyone to listen to my idea. But, you know, it's like, like all overnight successes. It took, uh, it took many prototypes. It took seven years of, of research. And then finally, when... You know, all the companies says, look, this idea is too cerebral. The average public won't like it. But you know, the thing is, I had done so much homework that I knew that I knew for a fact that they were wrong and that, that what, you know, my research showed me that people would indeed love it. So eventually, I, I got it to market on my own, and, uh, you know, I landed it, and, and of course, uh, it was a huge flop. Nobody wanted it because I was. it was November. It was a month and a half before Christmas. And they go, you know, our budgets are shot. Forget it. So I thought, I'm dead in the water here. I've got investors. I've got all these products in the warehouse. So then what happened was uh, I, I tried to make this story short, which is already a, a lost cause. But what happened was I, uh, I managed to say, okay, you know what? When people hear a mind trap, they go, Oh, man, come on, that was, okay, you got me on that one. Give me another one. So I thought, you know what, this thing has a lot of its own viral integrity right off the bat. So I started sending out a bunch of these questions to people on the local radio stations. And I didn't say who, who I was or what this was or where I was coming from. So one morning they would get a, a mind trap question. Two days later, they would get another one, then another one, then another one, then another one. So what happened was they started playing this on radio. And they would say, we don't know where these things are coming from. We don't know who this is, but here's your morning mind trap. Well, from that, it all of a sudden exploded. And all the stores that told me, look, it, forget it, they were suddenly calling me saying, we're getting inundated with calls. And you know what the amazing thing was? That was November. The following June, it was already translated into six languages. I had licenses around the world. And the whole thing exploded just from that one thing. You know, and I, and I, and I say it all comes back down to that amazing uh, experience or that sort of epiphany that I got that, you know what, here's a special idea. What you do with it, it's up to you. So there's the long story. <laughs> And uh, that goes a lot to, back to Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich. He talks about when that idea from the universe hits you, do something about it. I think he even has a little descriptive turn, like turn over a, a glass and mark that day and go and like do something about it. Uh, because that's like your special insight or gift or timing. And so many people, even I've had ideas, or it's like, oh man, I'm should have thought of that, or why didn't I think of that, or I wish I thought of that. And so many people have those ideas, and a lot of those could be turned into something that makes some kind of money with some kind of persistence and determination behind it. 
Oh, you know, that, that is so true. In Napoleon Hill's book, you know, Think and Grow Rich, the, I read that in high school. And that was, that was I think, the singular most um, influential piece of material I ever read. And so, actually, since then, I've been, to use the term self-help junkie, I've been one of those ever since reading that. But, and, and as Napoleon Hill said, you know, we have uh, opportunities coming in and out of our lives constantly. It's whether you recognize it or not. And often we don't, you know, so, uh, but when you do, you know, and you get that kind of special feeling, it's, it's there for a reason. Exactly, exactly. And I noticed on your website, like, you and I have read a lot of the same books <laughs> and uh, to have read it in high school, what a benefit. So many yeah, people that I yeah. talk to, the number one thing they say is, wow, I wish I'd found that book earlier in my life or I wish I'd got my sons or daughters to read it. Uh, and so to get it in high school, uh, that's a blessing. Now, so many people that have read it early in their life said, I had no idea what the heck it meant, uh, the power <laughs> behind it, but I, at least I read it. Yeah, for sure. Now, a lot of your programs that you've developed are what we call behavioral change programs. Uh, I think we even read, what is it called, cognitive uh, uh, procedures. And so I'm a big fan of this. Uh, I read a cool book, a number of cool books on it, trying to remember the name of one of them involves a frog. Uh, And so talk a little bit about this cognitive process and behavioral change programs that you have, uh, because in the end, uh, that's what changes us from negative to positive, unhappy to happy, is our behavioral change, and that starts with our cognitive process, and that starts with Napoleon Hill saying, thoughts are things. And oh, so the, yeah. talk about they, that they, a they little bit, because are. it's so important to people, how do I change? What's that? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, Tom, I, I think one of the things your, your listeners, uh, I, I think, will can appreciate and it will resonate with them is that every one of us at some point in our lives and will continue to do so is we all, we all want to change something about ourselves. But, you know, the great mystery is why in the heck can't I get myself to do it? And, you know, I had two somewhat life-changing experiences that led to really figuring out what 29 days is. And it's, it's really about taking somebody on a step-by-step process to change something. Whether you want to change, uh, you know, whether you want to lose weight permanently, whether you want to quit uh, smoking or, you know, start taking fiscal responsibility, whatever it may be, we're, you know, we pretty much run on programs, whether we realize it or not. And so if, as, as neuroscience says, 95% of everything we do from morning till night is done subconsciously. Now, a lot of people say, oh, come on, that, that can't be true. But it, it, think about how many times you, you might drive to work, and meanwhile, your mind is a million miles away. So the question is, who is driving your car? Well, obviously, the programs, because the very first time you drove a car, I mean, you were absolutely conscious of everything. But the moment you do something well, you delegate it and relegate it to your subconscious mind. And so although we're thinking, and I say that in parenthesis, thinking all day long, what we're thinking about is, is a very, very small portion of what actually happens. Have you ever been sitting in front of a television, you're reaching the bottle, bottom of a potato chip bag, and you don't remember having gotten the potato chips? It's, it's those kinds of behaviors that, you know, let's say, for example, when people want to lose weight, they, they don't realize that 
cutting calories consciously is, is, is probably about 2% to your ultimate success. And so what we do in 29 days is we actually help you to figure out the other 98% because that is, is really the difference between you know, trying to lose weight which is notoriously, people are notoriously unsuccessful at it because they really have no clue how to go about it um, through no fault of their own. But, uh, you know, so, so really all behavioral change really comes down to understanding how the other part of you really is functioning. And when you understand that, change is surprisingly simple. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, you use the word simple almost in parentheses as well. Um, but I do. <laughs> to changing your habits and your behaviors, and so many of these habits and behaviors, as I've come to read and learn, uh, uh, they're formed well before you're able to think or process any of these ideas on your own. And uh, even if you have an amazing upbringing, like myself, and amazing parents, still your parents always had beliefs about something. They had patterns of thought about different things, as with your brothers and sisters and your neighbors and uh, so sometimes we really have to get into our cognitive thinking to examine those and say, hey, I want to set my own definite purpose for life and my own beliefs. And uh, that's another question is uh, so many people ask me about definiteness of purpose. And it seems like you have found your definiteness of purpose, the thing you have a lifestyle that is, as an inventor, as an author, as an entrepreneur, and even as a coach, uh, when did you come to the realization of, okay, this is very cool and unique about me and what I'm so passionate about, and this is my definite major life chief aim, purpose, pursuit, passion that we know as Napoleon Hill fans, once you discover that, it's like, wow, that allows me to focus on one thing and unfocus on a pile of other stuff. Yeah, yeah great question. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I maybe mentioned earlier, there's two life experiences that happened to me. And, and the, the irony is that while those things happened to me during that time, I had no idea how momentous they were going to be. And the first, there was actually the two experiences. One was how I broke up. Uh, smoking addiction. And the other one was when I returned from a Tony Robbins Date with Destiny seminar, which at the mm. time was surprisingly unsuccessful. So I'll just share with your readers exactly what, that, what, what those two stories, how, how they impacted me. Now, I started smoking when I was 14. And by the time I was 16, I was smoking 60 cigarettes a day. So uh, needless to say, I mean, this was, this, this was doing its toll on me. And by the time I turned 27, uh, I woke up one morning and it felt like someone was standing on my chest. And I absolutely knew, and I knew that I knew I would never see 40 if I didn't somehow manage to quit. Now, I had been, like many people, successful at quitting. I quit many, many times. Uh, and I had tried you know, mm -hmm. acupuncture and, and uh, I, I tried uh, hypnosis and cold turkey and cutting back and, and everything. And it would work for a while, a couple of weeks, a few days, maybe even a couple of months. But I would always go back to it. And so this one morning when I woke up, I kind of had another premonition that I knew I was going to quit, but I had no idea how. But I just knew that I was going to do it. And I decided to 
try a very, very different technique. And what I decided to do was play some head games with myself. So you know how when a smoker just finishes having a cigarette, their nicotine is all topped up inside and they feel real good and they certainly don't need or want another cigarette at the moment. So I played a game with myself and said, okay, you just put a cigarette. This is 1985, by the way, when you could smoke anywhere other than church. So I just I put my cigarette out and I would say, okay, well, have another one. It's like, well, I don't want another one. No, 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 no. You like it so much, have another one right now. So I kind of forced myself to ratchet my smoking up to almost 100 cigarettes a day. And during that time, <laughs> what I did was I started questioning the reasons people find smoking so difficult to quit. When you're smoking, as a smoker, I thought it would be impossible, Tom, for me to ever enjoy sp uh, speaking on the telephone with somebody again without having a cigarette. Or how could I possibly finish this fantastic meal and not have a cigarette? Or how could I, how could I ever concentrate without a cigarette? So these, these are deeply held beliefs as, as, you know, your thoughts are things and they're very real. And I, like all smokers, really believe that if I was to remove all these pleasures from my life, well, it's going to be empty. It's going to be really be vacant. Now, as a non-smoker, you look at that and go, what, are you nuts? But as a smoker, that's very real to you. So this is what really, so what happened was, I mean, I, while I was smoking, I started to, I should say, when you have a cigarette, you can think clearly. When you're desperate for a smoke, you can't think of anything other than, I've got to have that cigarette. And this works with all things, whether you're trying to lose weight, whatever it is. This is one of the cornerstones that I understood. So here I go. For two weeks, I'm smoking like a mad fool. But while I'm doing it, I started questioning those beliefs. I would look around and see other people enjoying a glass of wine. They didn't need a cigarette. So other people could concentrate. They didn't need a cigarette. And so while I'm smoking like crazy, I'm really starting to think clearly now because I'm not stressing out about having nicotine. I'm so topped up, it's a joke. So I'm starting to question my deepest beliefs, and I started to realize one by one they were complete nonsense. There was no validity to them whatsoever. And one morning, this was about two weeks later, I woke up, instinctively reached for a cigarette, and I didn't want one. I literally did not want one. And I threw them out and never touched one since. Now, if you had asked me about 10 years later, how'd you quit? I would say, oh, man, Tom, that was cold turkey. I mean, you've got to be tough. You've got to do that. But something in the back of my mind kept saying, no, that's not, that's not it at all. So I put that sort of lesson aside. Meanwhile, I'm always interested in behavioral change. What drives us? In 2003, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, Date with Destiny. It was in Bahamas. I got there to this big ballroom, and there's like 5,000 people freaking out. Everyone's just dancing and cheering and going nuts, and Tony comes out for three days. He had us on an emotional roller coaster. Like he's, yeah, He was an amazing speaker. He had an amazing message. And after, I think it was four days, I, and well, was the other 5,000 people in the ballroom, could not wait to get home so we could put all this new stuff into action. Well, three months later, or three weeks later, guess what happened? Nothing. Now, that stuck with me so much, I couldn't get over it. Because here we've got an amazing speaker, we've got an amazing message, we've got people that are 100% receptive, and you're dying to get home, and you're dying to put this into action. And I was telling my friend Leslie this, and she's a certified uh, uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, uh, pro or research, or, uh, instructor. 
And she says, you know, Richard, it's amazing. She goes, I only give this program. It's a three-day program. I only give it to senior executives. And she goes, inevitably, after three days, they're bouncing off the walls. They can't wait to get home and do it. But she goes, you know, I'll run into these people three, four, five, six months later and say, how's it all going? She goes, you know what? They almost always say, you know, I haven't done anything with it. So this, to me, was, okay, you know what? This is crazy. We, somehow, there has to be an answer to this great mystery. What is the barrier between this great desire, this knowledge that you want to make all these changes? What is stopping? What's getting between all that and actually carrying it out? And I bet you, I'm sure most of your readers can relate to the fact that, or listeners, I should say, can probably relate to the fact that they've probably been to a pretty highly emotional seminar, and a seminar that was highly motivating, and they too wanted to get home, but for some reason, life got in the way, and they never actually achieved it. So that, Tom, those two life experiences, I started sewing them together, and, because, and, and what I extracted from those two things was the result of 29 days. Nice. nice. And why 29 days? Because so many people take it like they take eight glasses of water a day as gospel. Uh, 21 days, change of habit, 21 days. So I'm thinking, that guy, why did he come up with 29 days? Is that a marketing <laughs> thing? Or how did it be 29 well, I, I wanted, I believed in the 28-day change, and I wanted an extra day's cushion, actually. But, but seriously, the way I came up with this, was, and this is what I learned really from the two experiences that I had with, with smoking and, and say also with Tony Robbins, is, is that the, the, the missing piece really is, uh, well, if I back up and say that 95% of everything we do is, is, is habits and programs, then to me, logically, we have to figure out a way in which we can program ourselves to do what we want to do. In other words, you can consciously do something for a short period of time, but inevitably it will, you will always run out of steam. Inevitably. You cannot do something consciously forever. And the better you get at something, the more you relegate it and delegate it to your subconscious mind, and it becomes effortless. So every habit that we have, habits that we have like eating habits or, or you know, all the, the myriad of things that, that go on throughout our day, we did consciously create them at one point. But eventually, they just became part of who we are. So to me, the mystery was this. You need to figure out, how can I learn to program myself? Because if I can do that, and you can do that consciously for a short period of time. So if you could program yourself consciously for, let's say, 29 days, would it be enough to become a permanent habit? And the answer is not necessarily guaranteed by any stretch, but it goes a long, long way. And neuroscience is actually proving that now. They've got, they've got clear proof from MRI scans how our memories and thus habits actually form. And if you do something every single day for a period of time, you start forming neural networks. And, and, and the point is, by the end of a month, you have – I can put it this way. You will never be able to go back to your old way of thinking. Uh, you will have profoundly changed who you are. And so what happens in our programs is that we, uh, as Napoleon Hill so beautifully pointed out, that you have to, it has to be your own aha discovery. A lot of times when we try to you know, read a self-help book, it's, it's an author saying, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Well, I don't find that that's nearly as effective, uh, effective as if, you're kind of led down a path, and you're shown all the options that you have. One's not necessarily more right than the other, but here they all are. And over that period of time, you pick and choose what's going to work for you. You're almost creating a lifestyle. And the changes that you make 
if they're small enough, they'll, they'll work. The thing is that most people, when they try to change, I'll, I'll use weight as an example. People who want to lose weight, what is the first thing they do? They think, well, I'm going to cut calories. All right, that's fine. But that's only a small portion of it. You must cut calories in order to lose weight, but that's only a small portion of it. People have no idea that the moment they do that, all the things that they're setting into reaction all the other things like your, your, your metabolism, the, uh, all your hormones, everything that goes in to say, wait a second. You know what? Millions of years of hunting, hunting and gathering, all of a sudden I'm starting to lose my fat reserves, which to your body is the most precious thing it has. So when people try to, to just cut calories, without understanding the ramifications of everything that they're doing. They're setting themselves up for absolute failure. However, if you understand exactly what you're doing, with how it affects your hormones, how it, how it affects all the, the, the neurons and all the communication in your body, if you learn how to do it successfully, you will not set off those alarm bells, and you will not lower your metabolism, which is so key to losing weight permanently. So really what happens is we take you through a process. It's, it's, it's actually a, 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 week, a step-by-step pro- process. The first week is all about awareness. The second week is really building that commitment. And then when you understand everything, not everything, but when you have a very good understanding of, let's say, weight loss, only then do we start taking action in week three, and then week four is all about sustainability, making sure that that becomes a part of your life forever. And by taking one thing and going very slowly, but really understanding the topic and the subject thoroughly, uh, you will come out the other end a completely different person with respect to that particular subject. Wow, wow. And so when you... Uh, write a book about uh, 29 days to uh, managing or maintaining your ideal weight, uh, you're not saying that someone's actually going to lose like a, you know, 192 pounds in a 29 days, but the brain will and the habits and the consciousness and the subconscious will now be seeing themselves as their ideal weight and all working in synchronicity without any clogged beliefs to get them to that ideal weight. Is that right? Absolutely. Before, you know, before anything, and again, this is something Napoleon Hill really, uh, I really picked this up, but before anything can happen physically, it has to happen mentally. So one of the differences is, you know how people go on, go on a diet, and they really don't know if they're going to succeed or not, and probably in the back of their mind they suspect they're not going to. Um, but they go on and they hope it's going to work. Well, that's really... That's really not a very effective way. What we want to do in 29 days is, is exactly, you're not going to be your, your perfect weight in 29 days, but in 29 days, you're going to know and know that you know exactly how and when you're going to get there. And that makes all the difference in the world, as opposed to saying after 29 days, gee, well, I did lose a few pounds, and I just hope it keeps working. Uh-uh. That, that's, that's, that's not the way to do it, because all you're doing is you're really you're, you're playing with, with failure, and suddenly failure can become your new habit. So we don't go there. What we're going to do is we go very slowly, very methodically, so that at the, by, by the time you do reach 29 days, you're going to say, yeah, absolutely, I, I'm there. Now I'm going to physically do it, but mentally you will be there. And that's, that, that is so important because most people, they ignore that, and that's pretty much why we'll always fail at behavioral change. We, we really put the cart before the horse. In other words, we, we horse around with the, yeah, with the, with the effects there, rather than really understanding the cause. Exactly, exactly. Thoughts lead your words, direct your actions. 
And so once you've got those created properly and purposely, not just accidentally, uh, then your body can work in synergy with every other part of your body, your mind, and focus on getting that done. And so very cool. So uh, is there one single most important thing that people need to consider when trying to change their human behavior? Is that it? Is it the changing of the thoughts? Well, yes, it is, but there's something else. And surprisingly, people go, huh? But surprisingly, you have to enjoy the process. And people go, what? Are you kidding me? How am I supposed mm. to enjoy going on a diet? How am I supposed to enjoy you know, cutting my <laughs> calories, if I use weight as an example? Well, the point is this, Tom. If you don't enjoy it, how long are you going to sustain it? And the answer is, of course, you can't, because you know very well that we're humans, as probably all animal life, we're designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So if we're subjecting ourselves to a painful situation, i.e., I'm always hungry, or all I can think about is food all day long, but I can't have any more than 1,000 calories, well, you know what? You can certainly lose weight, and you can probably do it fairly quickly, but the point is that is absolutely 100% unsustainable. So what's going to happen is eventually you're going to, whether you do it consciously or whether you do it subconsciously, eventually you're going to return to your old habits. You're going to wake up one day and say, oh, man, you know, I lost 40 pounds now. It's all back, and actually I've gained 10 additional pounds. So why does that happen? Well, it happens because if you subject yourself to an unpleasant situation, you're cooked. Now, people say, well, then how am I supposed to lose weight? The point is you can actually lose an enormous amount of weight and absolutely find it to be, if it's not pleasant, at least it won't be an unpleasant experience. And the, the techniques are, again, they're, they're much easier than people can imagine. But see, so often we try to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And of course, I take you through the program and I'll show you why that is the worst thing you can do. Even if you could do it, you don't want to do that because you set up your metabolism to slow down permanently. And you don't want that either. So there's a process to go. But you know what? Could, is it possible for someone to, say, have 500 calories less per day without, feeling, you know, without putting themselves into a real stressful situation? In fact, if you had a Coke, if let's say you, you drank two Cokes every day. If you eliminated one Coke and went for a half an hour, 45-minute walk, you would lose something like 50 pounds in one year. Now, wow. that's not, and, and what I'm saying is that can't be really a wildly painful situation for somebody. And, of course, there's, I'm using this in a very general sense, so it's not as if, uh, but, but all it takes is, you know, theoretically, and, and to a great extent, if you lose 500 calories, that's, uh, that's a pound a week. So you could, and people say, yeah, but as you lose more weight, then things slow down. Yes, they do. But the point is this. You could easily lose 40 to 50 pounds in a year without doing, without almost anything at all. It's so simple to do. But the problem is it's very hard to stay on track. And that's what we, we reach out with you and we talk to you morning and evening, 10 minutes in the morning, maybe 10 minutes in the evening through, uh, through email. So we interact with you. And what will happen is at the end of the 29 days, because we've, 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 gently held your feet to the fire. And that's usually what most people say. You know what? This program worked because you kind of gently held my feet to the fire. And we, you know, have it so that the, you know, your, your life didn't get in the way. You know, how often is I'm going to do this? And then, you know, kids get the flu, you get called out of town. Next thing you know, you've lost that desire, you've lost that momentum. So by us reaching out to you and just staying in touch with you, we make sure that you don't lose that momentum. momentum. And, and 
incredibly, uh, all I can say is that in 29 days, you will absolutely be in a different place. And uh, keeping in touch is fairly important because when you're trying to change uh, these behaviors and thoughts, uh, you need someone guaranteed to be on your side to remind you and to encourage you and keep you on that beam. Um, Sometimes the ones closest to us on a day-to-day basis um, will not always have positive reinforcement for the changes (laughs) we're trying to make. And so staying in touch, keeping in touch, reminding them, encouraging them, keeping them on the beam there, um, that's probably as important as a lot of other things as well, I imagine. You're a man speaking from experience. I can tell that. <laughs> so that's a nice thing and a, a different thing. And so you have like, a, uh, what did I count? Six, eight, ten titles. One is Stop Smoking. You got Maintaining Ideal Weight. Uh, what were some of the other ones that there's, you have? Uh, there's one on actually maintaining an exercise program. There's uh, one on uh, oh, nice. communication, listening to communication. Uh, there's one on um, really taking control of your finances. And, 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 and much of that is really seeing things from a different perspective. And then I, the, actually the last program I wrote is one that's um, called 29 Days to Managing Information Overload and Stress. And I wrote that one strictly for corporations, for the corporate culture, I should say, not for corporations, but for people within the corporate culture. Because, uh, you know, if you were to ask the average person, well, what's your personal philosophy? What's your personal sort of mantra and, and how you deal with with say, modern communication. How do, you do, how do you deal with emails? How do you deal with text messaging and stuff like that? And people look at you like, huh? When it comes in, I kind of respond to it. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's not a good thing. And uh, so w- w- what we do is we really help people within corporate re- corporations uh, create a culture whereby when they're on the job, they are absolutely on the job, but when they're off the job, there's some clear lines between work and leisure. They have to have that delineation so that when you come to work, you're really fresh and ready to go. And when you, when you're, but because if you're answering emails and always feeling like you're on 24-7, um, eventually you're going to get burned out. And the corporations hire their, their best managers, their brightest people for their time for their you know, for their brains, for their ability to, to think deeply, to analyze problems and to, you know, plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if all you're doing is reacting all day long, you can absolutely forget about really being your best at, 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 at really what your company is trying to pay you for. And uh, like you ask a lot of people, hey, how much time would you spend a week, would you schedule just to sit and think? And people go, man, do you know what my life is like? Who in the heck's got time to sit around and think? <laughs> But if you stop and think about that for a minute, that's a pretty telling statement. Because if you're not stopping to think, what are you admitting you're doing? You're simply reacting all day long. And if all you're doing is reacting, then you're not proactive and you're not really doing your best. Exactly. And these things have to come from uh, someone very high up who has to think of these things. I just came from an organization where uh, if you emailed one salesperson, you had to email the whole sales team and uh, reply all was standard. And so uh, one oh, guy could get like 50 emails a day that have nothing whatsoever in the world to do with him. 
And you gotta, even if you don't read this sucker, you gotta delete 50 emails that you haven't, aren't gonna read and don't wanna read and don't pertain to you. And you're, that's gotta cause some time. You know, Tom, you, you have so burden. landed on the, the heart of the problem. And you know what? It's, it's a cancer. It's an epidemic. It's got to the point where actually, uh, France and Switzerland, uh, even their, 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 um, their governments are thinking of banning email. Uh, after six o'clock and saying that workers have have an entitlement not to be uh, intruded upon but but you know what what you're saying is so true and you absolutely hit on it people have no idea they they just they have no idea about how damaging the CCing in and stuff like that. To tell you very quickly, uh, Basics uh, Global, uh, or McKenzie Global and Basics Research, two independent companies did uh, some studies and this is actually initiated by Intel and Microsoft. They did some studies, and they found, they independently came up with the cost that American businesses are paying because they don't know how to handle information properly is over a trillion. That's a trillion a year. And you go, how do you come up with such a ridiculous number? Well, the average knowledge worker is losing 10 hours of, of 10 hours of time each week because of inefficiencies. Uh, they're finding that the average worker spends about three minutes on a task before they get interrupted by something, whether it's an email, whether it's a text, whether it's a phone call, whether it's an employee hanging over the side of your, your, your uh, booth or whatever it may be. And then they're also finding that it takes up to 11 to 13 minutes to get back on task. And, you know, we're getting somewhere upwards in the neighborhood of over 100 emails a day. So you figure about all this stuff, one person's pushing this stuff all around, and, and everyone's doing it to each other. So we end up just shoving garbage in front of each other all day long, and there are no lines. Like, for example, Tom, if you were, gonna, you were working for a corporation like that, and you said, okay, you know what, when I go home, I'm going to be, after 7 o'clock, I'm shutting my stuff off. Well, you know what? That could be occupational suicide. But on the same hand, you are slowly draining the life energy out of you. So you can't do this on an individual basis, but suppose you had a team, and you guys all went through a 20, this particular program. At the end of it, you would be asked to sit down and create your own corporate culture. It's not right or wrong. Just how do you guys want to operate from here on in? Now, the response and the effect of that is extraordinary because suddenly people realize that, wow, you know what? I wouldn't dream of calling you up on a Saturday afternoon, but I'll send you an email on Saturday afternoon. And there's this unwritten rule that if you get an email, you're supposed to respond to it. It is so absolutely yeah. counterproductive. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, people are expected to respond to an email more than a phone call. It's like as annoying as, and as time-consuming, either one of them. We don't realize that we're eroding the very essence of what we are. We think we're being highly effective because we're always on. Um, I, I can promise you that when, when, you go through, uh, when you go through the process of really seeing it, you will have so many aha moments that you'll realize, oh, my God. You know what? I I love I love this technology. Believe me, I do. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. But if it's if it's the tail wagging the dog, then it's absolutely the most destructive thing in the world. But when you learn how to use it, it is fantastic. And and, and that's really what it's been designed for. But you know, it's you know, we we've got all this technology that's sort of entering our lives slowly, slowly, and next thing you know, it's all here, but we've never really stopped to say, well, how are we going to deal with this? It's just, it's taken us by storm. And you can see this everywhere. People's stress levels are through the moon. 
um, people come to work and they're going like, oh, well, you know, they're tired, they're burned out, and they're just starting their day. What is that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. Uh, your website is pretty easy, if I remember. 29 days to to.com is that that's it? right yes very cool branding on that again sometimes i look at websites or website domain names and i'm like wow wish i thought of that one <laughs> so uh, that's a pretty cool one 29 days to.com and then that's where all those different uh products that you have are there also if anyone's interested in inventing being an inventor selling millions of products how do you do that? How do you do that? Um, you're a good person to find for that. So 29daysto.com uh, to find you. Um, and uh, we'll have this uh, interview. Uh, will remain online forever so people can really get an idea of not only what you do, but how Napoleon Hill and the book Think and Grow Rich ties back to your purpose and what you're doing today. And I always love to hear stories of people who have obviously found their definite major purpose in life. So thanks so much for joining us today, Richard. It was amazing, very cool also that we live so close to each other within a half-hour drive. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen where a lot of my interviews are uh, international people, so very cool to get another Canadian in there. Well, thanks again so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here, Tom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.